Praise God. You can be seated. What an honor it is for us to be here at Truth Church. I'm going to just share a little bit about who we are. Uh, my name is Micah Wisdom. This is my lovely wife, uh, Pebble. That's her real name. <laughs> She's the fourth. No, she, there are four Pebbles. She's the third. I'm the third. Her grandma's Pebble. Her mom's Pebble. She's Pebble. One of our daughters is Pebble. And they're all, her, her grandma's still alive. She's like 155, no, 95, close. She's old. Um, so it gets really confusing around family functions. So they all have different middle names. It was not my idea, but I didn't have much to say about it. Anyway, we met on the first day of first grade. We went to the same little high school, or little elementary school, same junior high, same high school. And on the first day of first grade, I walked up to Pebble and I said, my name's Micah. Can I have a kiss? This is this is actually a true story. Well, yeah. Everything I say will be true of you. You do not need to tell them that. They assumed I would be speaking the truth. All right, now listen. Raise your hand if you think I got a kiss. All right, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you think she ran away. Uh, she ran away. But he did get a kiss. Yeah, so I found uh, Christy Faulkner. <laughs> I'm like, hey, somebody's getting kissed today. So I was a lot cuter than she was. <laughs> still is, still is. Um, so anyway, that's the first time we met on the first day of first grade on the playground. We went to the same little school, and um, I was a heathen, and uh, her family was living for God. And she actually won me, converted me. Uh, to the Lord, and so the reason I'm pastor of church today is because of her, and so we are thankful to be here, and we have heard such great things about Truth Church and the Gilberts, everybody that I talk to. I have not heard one bad thing about your pastor or his wife, and I've been trying to dig up some dirt, nothing. If you are a first-time guest here or you're checking out Truth Church, let me tell you, they are the real deal. Brother and Sister Gilbert are the real deal. I want to honor them, and I want to honor this church for taking a few services and taking a week to invest in families. You can have the greatest church, the greatest programs, the greatest buildings, but if families are falling apart, the church is not doing its job. And, uh, and so we're going to talk to you today uh, about families, and we're going to um, be kind of funny. We're going to be practical. We're going to be real. You know what I found out in the church? Everybody's talking about certain things except for the church. That's right. And a lot of times we don't get to provide an opposing view or not because we're kind of shrink back and, well, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to be in your face. We don't want to, and, and we're going to be respectful and all that. But there are some things we just need to talk about. We live in the real world. And so we're going to talk to you about fearless families. We are not experts, but we have been married for 23 years. We have four kids. We have a, there you go. We're trying to make it. We have four kids. One is a 20-year-old. He was at a sophomore in college. Uh, we have twin daughters that are 14, and then we had a little surprised Emma. She's 11. And so we're not experts in raising a family, but we are right in the middle of raising a family, all right? Um, and it can be scary. It's just a weird time. It's just a different time that we live in, trying to raise a family. When you were having that baby dedication, I was thinking about that beautiful baby, and I was thinking about the world that she's going to grow up in. 
all the voices that she's going to hear. What's right, what's not right, what, how she should look and how she should act. And, and all these voices, it can be scary. But with the help of God, we can raise up fearless families. And, and, and so today, maybe we're talking to parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, or maybe you're just somebody in the church that's going to help raise a kid in the church. Maybe there's not DNA connected, but you can, you know, the Bible talks about men teaching the younger men and the ladies teaching the younger ladies. At United Church where we pastor, I am thankful for those faithful men and women that can invest and pour into kids in our church that maybe don't have the, the, the good home life and they can be that example. And so today, maybe we're talking to you as a parent or grandparent or aunt, uncle, or a saint in the church, but we are thankful to be here and um, do you want to say anything before we get started? You just want to look pretty. Now you're doing good. Yeah, all right. All right, let's talk about fearless families. Number one, be protective. There is not a parent or a grandparent in this building that would not do whatever they could to protect their child. If I walked down there and grabbed that little baby girl and started tossing her around and started being careless, there would be a dad that said, hey, no, listen, goofball from Oklahoma, you go sit back down. Sooner fan. That's right. Yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. I don't know if I said that. Now, listen, if I was from Oklahoma, I would say, boomer. There we go. You guys are going ki- to get kicked out of this church. We better move on. All right, move on. Forget it. Just pretend like I'm from Texas. (laughs) My belt buckle's too small. But pretend (laughs) like I'm from Texas. All right, what was I talking about? All right, no, no. There is something inherent in us to protect our kids. There, there is something, you know, you hear the the mama bear and the papa bear. There, There is truth in that. There's reality in that. When we see a danger, we see a, a threat, we step in and we protect. If if there was an intruder that broke into my home, I wouldn't hide behind my twin daughters. I wouldn't use my wife as a human shield. I would stand between them and say, no, 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 you're going to get to them. You have to come through me because there is this desire to protect them. And in 2023, there is an intruder that breaks into our home every single day. And it's an intruder that cannot be kept out with locks or alarms. It's an intruder that cannot be chased away with a gun. This intruder slips in and attempts to get access to your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews. This intruder doesn't gain access through doors or windows, but rather through tablets and phones and game consoles and laptops and television sets. We are living in an age where media is consumed in such an instant and anonymous way. I'm 46 years old. The first half of my life, if I wanted to look at bad stuff, man, I had to jump through some hoops to look at bad stuff. It just wasn't available. But now you live in an age where it's instant. and it's, I see more bad things on accident now than I did when I was a kid. We have YouTube and Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and Apple TV, plus all the millions of apps and websites that offer streamless, endless things to watch. 
we live in an age where not only us as parents and grandparents, but our kids can watch anything they want at any time. That's challenging. That's scary. There is a worldly agenda behind worldly entertainment. I was listening to an interview. I was driving down the road, and I was listening to radio, and I was listening to this interview a while back, and I nearly ran off the road. I couldn't believe what the guy said. In fact, I ran home, and I found the website of the, the talk show, and I downloaded the audio of the, of the clip, and then I downloaded the, the transcript, and I'm going to read a portion to you. He was talking about spreading his ungodly agenda to young people. And this is what he said. He said, I will never get permission to talk to these kids. I will never get permission or an invitation to talk to high school or middle schools. And then he said, it occurred to me that I am waiting for permission that I don't need anymore because of YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. He goes on to say, and really you know what's subversive about it, is we're making an in run around a lot of these kids' parents, their teachers, their religious quote-unquote leaders who don't want us to reach out to these kids and never have. Then he said this, we are done waiting for permission or an invitation. We're going to address these kids and talk to these kids, whether they're families churches or schools like it or not here he is publicly admitting i want to go to your middle schooler and your high schooler and teach them about my twisted lifestyle whether you like it or not to bypass the parents teachers families churches you know back in the good old days a parent could just limit tv or just say no to tv to limit movies or just say no to movies, and that was about it. And maybe you had that rebellious teenager that would sneak off to the movies and watch something they weren't supposed to watch, but the accessibility has skyrocketed. We're not talking about seeing something on TV you're not supposed to see once or twice a month. We're dealing with kids that have instant access to unfiltered entertainment, anything you can imagine. But even though we're living in a time like no other, even though we're living in a time where a click of the button can change their entire worldview, it doesn't just give us an excuse to throw up our hands and say, well, oh well, cross my fingers, hope they can make it. We desire and have to be purposeful about raising our families. And parents, let me just add before um, I go on to this next little point here that you need to have a plan for when your children find something on their phones or on their tablets that they are not supposed to be looking at, you need to be ready. Because it's not if, it's when it happens. And you need to be very careful not to make them feel like they're broken or they can't get back or that they've made some horrible mistake that, that God cannot forgive them of because that's not true. Because guess what? We're the ones who gave these things to them. Okay. So you think about that. You think about it now. You think about it when they're little, what you're going to say, what you're going to do, and how you're going to get through it and talk about it up front. Amen. Not too long ago, I heard someone say probably the dumbest thing I have ever heard a parent say in my life 
It was a conversation that we, he was having about media and about what kids should be watching and about what they shouldn't be watching. And he was discussing where you draw the line and where we just have to trust our kids to grow up a little bit and handle things that they hear, things that maybe we don't necessarily approve of. And this person was defending what he was letting his children watch on television in his home. And he was saying this, well, they're going to see it eventually. They're, they're going to be at their friend's house, and, and they're going to see it at some point. You cannot control everything that your kids are exposed to. Now, I'm not an idiot. I understand that I am raising my children in a world that does not have the same values I have. I, I, I understand that. But, but church, they don't have to see it in my home. They, they, they don't have to worry about all of that garbage when they are at my house. And I do understand that eventually they're going to see things that I wish they were never, ever exposed to, but they don't have to see it when they're five and when they're eight and when they're 12. Amen? They don't have to deal with that junk when they are little. We can control that, okay? Parents, you may not be able to see everything they do every single day, but you can protect your loved ones when they are in your home. You put the blood of the lamb over that doorpost so that everybody who comes in knows this house serves the Lord. Any student, any cousin, any friend that comes into your home knows that this is a safe place. You do whatever you have to do to guard their little hearts and their eyes and their ears. And then eventually, down the road, when they do have to deal with grown-up things, well, they'll be more grown-up. And their minds can handle it a little bit better. If we continue to let outside media views, whether it is the news whether it's politicians, and I don't care which side you're on, if you continue to let that junk stream in your home day in and day out, your kids are going to know way more than you want them to know way sooner than you want them to know it. Be very careful. I, I used to, when I was, before my kids were born, I, I used to like to just have the news on in the house when I was home. Be very careful. If that's what you do in the mornings, turn the news on and listen. Be very careful because they are hearing and they are seeing a lot more than you think they're hearing and seeing. Yeah. Now, our son just turned 20. Um, and so, like, we, we live in the real world, right? Veg Veggie Tales has not been cutting it for the last few years, all right? We're not sitting down like, come on, Carter, this is the cheeseburger song, man. That's your favorite. <laughs> You know, Larry, my favorite. Larry and uh, Bob. So, so we get it. Like we get the Veggie Tales is only good for a certain while. But even as he got older, we still don't just say, "Here's unfiltered access to whatever you want to see." And yes, it takes more work. And yes, it takes more time. And yes, it takes more research. But if I would do whatever I could to protect him against a physical threat, we should be just as as, as fired up and just as protective when it comes to protecting their minds or their hearts. I wouldn't let someone physically hurt them, but I'm exposing them to things that they should not be exposed to. There's a singer that goes by the name of Little Nas X. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but he, came, he became famous with a song called Old Town Road. It's kind of a catchy song. But then he released a line of shoes, and I have a picture of him, I think, on the screen. I think it was last year or so, and he called them Satan shoes. There's little Nas X. And, um, and, and, and the Old Town Road kind of caught on with, with kids. It was kind of a, it was a catchy tune. It kind of caught on with kids. He was singing at elementary schools and middle schools. 
these shoes, they only made 666 pair. They reportedly had a, a drop of human blood. And at the same time, he released a music video, which was absolutely ridiculous. I can't even talk about it. Very vulgar and offensive. And people were so upset. They said, you had so many fans that were kids. You had so many kids that were following you. And now you come up with this video that promotes uh, demonic and, and perversion. And his response was this. I sang about getting drunk on cough medicine and committing adultery in Old Town Road. You decided to let your kids listen. Blame yourself. And I probably don't agree with little Nas X on much. <laughs> but I will say he's got a point there. We cannot allow our kids to be swallowed up by worldly entertainment right. and then be surprised there's a worldly agenda behind it. Most of the time, it doesn't come looking like this. It comes looking a little more subtle, a little softer. We have to be very careful. We can't clean up the whole world, but I can clean up my house. So I'm protective about my kids, what they watch and listen in the video games they play. All right, I'm going to meddle a little bit. You ready? Let's be protective of our children and what they hear coming out of our own mouths, my Lord. Let's be protective about what they see in my own attitude. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Finally, brethren and sisterin, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, let's think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You see, I think God gave us Philippians chapter 4 to remind us that kids don't need to hear all of the neg negativity going on in this world. Our children do not need to hear all of the negativity or the gossip that might be going in your church or in your family or in your school or the world in general. Church, our topic at the, converse, the conversation at the dinner table should never be to discuss the shortcomings of their friends. It shouldn't be how the pastor shouldn't have said this or the pastor shouldn't have said that or how I didn't like the music this morning or Sister Susie hurt mom's feelings or how dad doesn't like the way the pastor handled a certain situation. You want to protect your kids? You protect them from carrying around all of the baggage and the grudges and the bitterness and the pride and the jealousy that all of those things bring. Church, those are things, hear me, that they will learn from you. They will learn jealousy from you. They will learn pride from you. I know it hurts, but it's family day. We're talking about building strong and fearless families, and that starts from the top. you got to dig it out. Instead of all of the negative, why don't you try to tell them something good? We shouldn't be talking about anybody in front of our kids or our grandkids. Grandparents, we need you on board here. We need you on board here. Don't talk about anybody, but much less the people that God has put in their lives 
to do life with and to love and to care for them. Lift people up in front of your family. Talk about good about their teachers. Tell them how funny and how smart their friends are. Talk about how good the music was at church this morning, even if you didn't like the beat. Talk about how above average the family lesson was this Sunday morning. All right? Tell them how much you love this family sitting over here, your pastor. Tell them how wonderful he is. Tell them how much they care about them. Tell them they can always talk to this family even when they mess up. That is what they need to hear. Why not? Why not? You know, um, at United Church, I say this a lot. I want the kids in our church to think that we have perfect angels. I want them to think everybody in this church are just good and, and, and godly and holy. Why not? They'll figure it out for themselves soon enough. They don't need to hear it from you. Amen. Don't teach them to assume the worst. Don't teach them to be skeptical and to doubt people. Teach them to love and to trust and show grace towards the people that God has put in their lives. Haven't we all needed that grace from time to time? Amen. I didn't make this up. It is not my opinion. The Bible says that when we think about all of these positive things, that the God of peace will be with us. And what better gift can we give our children than the gift of peace? Amen. The best thing that you can do to protect your home and the people that you love is to understand the power and the influence that we have with the examples we set as the adults in their lives. So number one to have a fearless family is be protective, not, phys not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. The second thing is to be present. You know, considering how families are today, our time is such a premium. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like any time that is distracted from our families is a heavy price to pay. And what's wild is even when we're home, we can be distracted. We can be watching something or looking at a tablet or looking at our phone or, or what all these things fight for our attention. Those apps are designed to keep you scrolling. It's amazing all the science and technology that is pushed behind that. And so we have to be careful that we're not stealing time from our families. We have to be present. It was Charles Francis Adams. He was a 19th century political figure and diplomat. He kept a diary. And one day in his diary, he wrote this. He said, I went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. It's actually still in existence today. And on that exact same day, the son, Brooke Adams, made an entry. And he said, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. What the father saw as wasting time, the son saw as an investment with his dad. Be present. Your kids are watching. Be present, even if they only have one line in that school play. Be present when they just want to play Uno at night before they go to bed. Be present when they want to do something that you have absolutely no interest in. In fact, don't just be present. Act like you like it. Learn to like it. Moms, just because you might be a world-famous pie baker does not mean that your little girl likes to bake, okay? <laughs> she may like to hike or play softball or she may be into science. 
And just because we may not understand how to play softball doesn't mean that we don't get to, that doesn't mean that we get to sit this one out, find you some clothes that you can be active in and get out and learn how to play the game with her. Just because hiking means there are bugs doesn't mean you get to sit that one out. Go for a hike. Because she needs to understand, our daughters need to understand that just because baking might not be her thing, she can still very much act like a lady in these other things. She needs to understand that even though she'd be rather outside playing catch, that she can carry herself like a woman of God and, and, and that she should carry herself like a woman of God and that one of these days she can be loved and cared for by a godly man, even if she's not the baker in the family. And, and let me just say this to the dads. When, when you come to church, and if you come to, which obviously I'm preaching to the choir here, but not only just come to church, but be present at church. Don't send those moms and those kids by themselves, but even when they get you here, don't just sit there, respond. Let those yes. kids see those hands lifted and those tears streaming down your face. Maybe you have to come from work on midweek. Hey, you come in your work clothes. I guarantee you a pastor would rather see you in your dirty wet work clothes than staying at home. Be present with your family. Yes. Families need their dads. Amen. Mom, just leave that messy house behind. Leave the company behind. Whatever it is, just come on. Like my husband said, your pastor doesn't really care if you got dressed up. Just be here. Just be here. Grandparents, now is not the time to make excuses to stay home. Now is not the time to, to find ways that it's just more convenient for you not to come to the house of God. Now, listen, I know that your kids are grown. I know that you did your job. I know that you might be tired. And I know that church looks a little bit different than it used to look. I know all of that. And I know that your role may be changing even in the church, but I promise you this. You are more important to the kingdom of God right now in this season than you have ever been in any other season of the world. This world, this world is a crazy place. My husband's already talked about it a little bit, and we need, not want, we need your steady hand. We need your influence to make this church go to the next level, uh, uh, to the older generation. We are standing on your shoulders, and we beg you, we beg you not to move. Not only do your kids need you, but so does your pastor, and so do the saints, and so do the new converts. Never underestimate the power of your life and your testimony to each and every person in this building. To the older generation, we need you to be present. You know, distractions in our lives are so detrimental to our families. I'm the world's worst. I'm the world's worst at getting distracted, and I think it's worse when I'm in church. It must be the devil. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, squirrel. Everything comes into my mind, and, and there I go. But, but I have to be careful, and which is why I rarely, rarely ever bring my phone into the sanctuary. You know, people will be texting me, what are we going to sing, an altar call, this, whatever. I don't ever see it because I don't ever have my phone because I don't want to get distracted. It's just what I have to do. And that's not only for my benefit, but, man, I sure don't want ever want to get caught distracted and scroll up and get on Facebook and my kids look over and see what I'm doing on my phone. I wonder what the Lord is thinking. 
when we're so indifferent and we come into his house and we don't have time to reverence his word and his presence like we felt this morning because we're just busy and we can't keep this stupid little rectangle under control. I wonder what he's thinking for two hours on a Sunday morning when we can't come and we can't just put it away and forget everything and just worship our creator. I wonder, I wonder what he's thinking. What kind of example are we leaving for our kids and our grandkids when we cannot control this area of our lives? Mike already said our son is 20, and he still knows that if I ever saw him scrolling in church, I'd take it and I would chunk it right into baptistry. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> Moms and dads, wouldn't you rather your children look over and see you with your hands lifted? Wouldn't you rather them see you like this gentleman here this morning dancing along the front of this church, being present when the presence of God is here and lifting your hands rather than see the bottom of your head, checking the sports or your email or something so important that you can't let go. I told you I was going to meddle. I'm sorry. There it is. It's important. Be present when you are in this house. There is nothing like it. You know, if your kids never see you go to the altar... They'll never go to the altar. And I promise you, there's coming a day where they're going to need to come to the altar. They're going to need that grace and that mercy. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy named Isaac. He married Rebecca. Rebecca was childless, and they prayed. Be careful. This happened to us. And they had twins. Lord, I said one child. You got two, Esau and Jacob. And they were twins, but they looked different. They acted different. Genesis 25 and 27 says, As the boys grew up, Esau became a skilled hunter. And he was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Esau was a man's man. He loved the open field. He was a skilled hunter. He was covered in hair and had a deep voice. But yet Jacob, he was a homebody. He loved to stay around the house. He was smooth skin, and he didn't far too far away from home. If you wanted to find Jacob, you would usually find him in the kitchen with his mom. Esau was the risk taker, the adventurer, the daredevil. Jacob liked to play it safe, didn't venture too far out. And because of these differences, Esau naturally grew closer to his dad, and Jacob grew closer to his mother. And there is a heartbreaking scripture in Genesis 25 and 28. Isaac, the dad, loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob was raised without his father's approval. His mom loved him to death. But he still desired that affirmation and that love from his father. So to the dads and the uncles and the granddads in the room, maybe that little boy is not a miniature version of you. And maybe he's not interested in all the things that you're interested in. But please do not check out of his life because he needs you. A couple years ago, I was in the St. Louis airport. I was getting ready to fly out. I was just sitting there reading my book, minding my own business. And a guy comes and sits right beside me. It was a little odd 
because there was a whole row of seats, and he sat right here beside me. So I kind of look up to, to look at this guy, and it was the, the former baseball player, Pete Rose. And I thought, well, this is his fault for sitting next to me because I'm going to talk to him and see what's going on. He was actually on his way to Las Vegas, which was kind of a uh, coincidental. You know, he got in trouble for gambling, so whatever. Um, and so I began to talk to him in, in a little bit before our flight. But when the big thing about Pete Rose is he broke Ty Cobb's record for the most career hits, one of the most coveted stats in baseball. It was 4,192 hits. And you can watch this on YouTube And when it happened. He got the hit, and they stopped the game. I mean, it was a huge production. Teammates rushed onto the field. They hoisted him up on their shoulders. The owner of the team came out and congratulated him. I mean, there were tens of thousands of people in those stands clapping, cheering, yelling his name. They brought out a brand-new Corvette and gave it to him. Later, a reporter asked him, said, what was going through your mind? Fireworks and confetti and teammates and tens of thousands of people cheering your name as you stood on that base. He said, well, I think my dad was probably looking down and was happy with me. I thought, here's a man that of all the things Pete Rose could have thought of in that moment, a celebration of one of the most coveted Records in all of baseball, thousands upon thousands of people cheering your name. He was still thinking about his father's approval and his father's blessing. Men, we have a heavy responsibility to the young men and the young ladies, showing them that love and that approval. Listen, I was ra- I can't. I don't have time to tell you how I was raised. It was crazy. It was the wild, wild west. And we were watching the Disney show Tarzan one time, you know, when, when Jane pulls Tarzan out of the jungle. And my wife said, that's exactly our relationship between us. And my kids were like, really? You lived in a jungle? I was like, pretty close, pretty close. But my, my family was not affectionate. We didn't say, I love you. There was no, it was just chaos. It was wild. It was, it was not. But you know what? I go up and I hug my son and I hug my daughters and I hug my wife in front of my... No, I don't get crazy with it. I don't want my kids having therapy or something, you know. But, <laughs> but I had to learn that my daughters are going to get that affection and that love and that approval from me. So be protective. Be present. The third thing is to be faithful. Every year I do a health assessment. My health insurance requires it. And they just kind of, you know, you do lab work. And, but there's always two questions that bother me. It's the same two questions every year. Number one, has either parent had a stroke or a heart attack? Question two, has either parent had cancer? And when I see those questions, I think, wait a minute. This is my health assessment. Why are they asking me about my parents? Why do they care what my parents suffered with? How does... What happened to them affect me. But the reality is it does affect me. And there are certain health-related risks that are generational. And if you've been to the doctor, I'm sure you notice that. They give you a paper. We want to know your family's medical history. And they're not just being nosy. They know there are some issues that get passed down from generation to generation. And unfortunately, it's not just in the physical sense, but it's also in the spiritual sense. Scripture and history teaches us the iniquities, the sins, the struggles of one generation can adversely affect other 
generations. But the opposite is true. The best chance your kids have at being faithful to church is not going to come from a midweek Bible study on faithfulness. It's going to be them seeing you being faithful to the house of God. The best chance that your kids are going to be faithful in giving is not some insight they're going to get from a book off a shelf somewhere. It's going to be seeing you faithfully and sacrificially giving. The best chance your kids got and grandkids got at being a worshiper is not some program or it's not going to youth camp once a year or going to youth convention, but it's seeing mom and dad and aunt and uncle and grandma and grandpa worshiping and praising God, even when they know things maybe aren't going great at home and maybe the bank account is at zero, but dad still prays. The best chance your young people have teaching Bible studies is not some program or incentive that's going to come down from headquarters. But seeing you sit at that kitchen table and opening up the Word of God. The best chance your kids and the kids of true church have of being altar workers and prayer warriors is not attending some seminar over the weekend. Sure, that may help a little bit, but it's really just seeing the men and women of true church praying in the altar and responding to the Word of God. United Church, the church that we pastor in Wagner, um, reminds me a lot of what you all have going in. We have a lot of kids, and I see a lot of young people around here and kids, lots of young families, and we love them all dearly, and they love their pastor, and I'm sure you all love yours. I hope you do. You better. But if the kids come to everything that we do on a weekly basis at United Church. I'm talking about if they are at everything. At best, we get them about seven or eight hours a week. And that's pushing it, if they come to everything. Church, that is 4% of their week. That means 96% of their lives and their learning and their influence comes from outside of this building and outside of the church. You as the adults and the parents and the grandparents have, it's your job. Your pastor is here. You have a wonderful youth pastor. Youth camp is great, but this is your job. All right? I started to say you have a huge influence, but it's your job. That's biblical. You are shaping their lives. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find this whole new generation of Israel gathered together. Students, are you doing okay? We're getting close to being done, and we're going to talk to you in just a second, okay? Thank you for listening. We're almost done. They're, so they're, they're gathered, the Israelites are gathered um, on the plains of Moab, and they're pre- preparing to enter into the promised land. And Moses is up, and, and, and he's talking, and he's reviewing the law, of, the law that God gave to them. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 says this, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. This has got to get in our hearts. It has to be more than just head knowledge. Parents, you get it in your hearts. And then verse 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when you rise up, when you're in your home, talk about God. The church cannot be the only place they get instruction. Repeat it again. Talk about the miracles. Talk about his faithfulness every day, 
Every day, Proverbs says to train up your child in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from it. The word train is more than just talking about. The, more, the word training means hands-on experience, life application, your education into application. We have got to educate this next generation in the things of God, but we have also got to train them in the things of God. And it's just like my husband was talking about. They see it, and they learn it because they watch you do it. Amen. They don't want to see something different at home than they're seeing at church. They can't see something different at home than they're seeing at church. Verse 9, and thou shalt write it upon the posts of thy house and upon the gates. Let everybody that comes into your house know that it is a godly home. Amen. Go ahead. Be protective, be present, be faithful, be a Christian. <laughs> Who would have thought fearless families, having a good family, being a Christian? Somebody came to Jesus, they said, Lord, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest of all the commandments. And then he said, a second one that's equally important, that you love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all the law of the prophets, hang all the law and the prophets. And so for the adults in the room, if we could get these two things right in our family, I truly believe that everything else could take care of itself. That I, if I could love God with everything within me, but then I could also love people. Everything else hangs on that. Your kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews, they need to see you loving God. And we've talked a lot about that already, but they also need to see you loving people. That's equally important. So why does our Bible tell us that the greatest commandment other than our relationship with, with God is our love for people? Well, obviously, it's because God loves people. He gave his life for all humanity. It is not his will that any single soul should perish. There are parables and stories and endless scriptures that teach us how to love other people and how to put our faith in action, how not just to be hearers of the words, but doers of the word when it comes to helping and loving our neighbors. The second greatest commandment in our whole Bible is to share the love of Jesus with other people. So, Sister Wisdom, what in the world does this principle have to do with raising a fearless family in 2023? T.F. Tenney preached a sermon in Wagner not very long ago, a few years ago, and he said this. He said, I have never seen a disgruntled saint who was a soul winner. He said, if you're having trouble with your attitude, if you're having trouble with keeping your spirit right, get to work and start being a witness because soul winners don't have time to get offended about every little thing that happens in the church. You want to have a strong and fearless family? Get busy. Get to work. Get busy in the kingdom of God and taking care of God's people. And you just watch what God will do for you and for your children and for your grandchildren. It is contagious. In 2019, my daughter was in the fifth grade. And 
uh, she was at church one day. Her name, my daughter's name is Avery. She was at church one day, and she was gathering up all of this church literature, and she had an envelope, and she was gathering it up, and she was getting it all ready. And I said, well, what are you doing with all that stuff, Avery? She said, I'm getting it together because I have a friend at school, and I want to, I want to invite her to church, and I really hope she comes. So sure enough, the next Sunday, she's out in the front door just looking, watching for her friend to come. And, you know, as a mom, I felt kind of bad. I thought, you know, they don't always come when you ask them. But she had the faith that she was going to come. And, and so with anticipation, Avery was watching that window. And sure enough, I heard her say in just a few minutes, Mom, she's here. She's here. And then I heard, and she brought her sisters. And then I heard, oh, her parents are with her. And I think we have a picture of the King family coming up oh are they there this is the king family we have baptized every single one of them in the precious name of jesus god has filled each and every one of them with the holy ghost it's taken a while The mother just last week, so Avery invited them, and then this mother just last week was telling me about another newer convert that she heard was having trouble, and she was taking that new convert to lunch to help her because she was having a hard time. I got, a, I got another text from another new family last month, and I think we have a picture of them, the Swafford family. They were invited by another fearless mother who I'm going to talk to you about in just a minute. But this lady, Savannah, she sent me a message, and she said, I just want you to know that you are raising really great kids. Th these are sinners. They had just started coming to church. She said, Pebbles, that's my, one of my twins, she says, she goes out of her way to make us feel welcome, and we just really appreciate it. And then we have another picture of my daughter with their baby, and this is what else she said. She said, I have never felt like I belonged in any church because my family isn't religious Everyone at this church has truly showed me that a church isn't just somewhere you pray, but it's a family. I'm super thankful for all of you more than you'll ever know. This next picture is a picture of the Campbells. Meet the fearless Campbell family who lived across the street from the Swafford family I just showed you, and they are responsible for bringing the Swafford family to church. Almost every single service, Stephanie, the mother of this crew, because the dad works out of town, almost every single service, she loads up her van and she brings children from her neighborhood to church with her. She volunteers to take them to doctor's appointments. She volunteers to take them to um, school functions. She picks them up from school. She drives people everywhere. One of the families that she invited was the Tyrell family. You can go ahead with the next picture. Two years ago, the three oldest sisters got the Holy Ghost at a girls' conference I put on. And just recently, we baptized their precious mother in the name of Jesus Christ. I think I have one more picture. <clears throat> this is their whole family. <clears throat> and the one in the, the orange shirt, they were all at school the other day, and they were all in a group talking uh, talking about something that was going on, uh, a bunch of church friends. And she said, she said to my daughter, she said, Avery, can you wait just a minute? I want to go invite this little girl to church. And the reason I'm telling you all of these stories is not to brag, but it's to tell you that being a fearless soul winner and fearless soul winning families who invest in other people is contagious. 
it keeps you, if you want to ground your children and your grandchildren in the church, teach them how to be a soul winner because there is nothing, you know this, if you've ever won anybody to the Lord, there is no better feeling and no greater purpose in our lives that when we can connect somebody to Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been at United Church for 19 years, and we've done a lot of things that didn't work. We have had years that were not as exciting as it is right now. In fact, most of the days we wake up and we feel like we have absolutely no idea what's going on. But this concept of families buying into taking care of other families yeah. and adopting other families yeah. and investing in other families and getting into their lives. This is working at United Church. Not only is it growing our church, but it is grounding our people. Get your children and get your families involved in soul winning. Students, it's time. Now is the time. Be a witness. Get out of your comfort zone. If there's nothing you feel like you can do uh, in the church or the, in, in, in to, to, to further the kingdom, you couldn't be farther from the truth. Get a hold of your youth pastor, your pastor. Say, what can I do? Be bold. You don't have to stand on the lunch table at school and point your finger in their face. Be a friend. Invite somebody to church. Go out of your way. Be kind. When we talk about fearless families, as a parent or a grandparent, a lot of times we can raise our kids with fear. And, and we're, we're hesitant, and we can actually do damage to our children because we raise them to be anxious or unadventurous. Now, you can go overboard. When, when Carter, we had Carter by ourselves, our son, for about five years, and I'm just kind of a rough and tumble guy. I, I, you know, Carter and I just had a lot of fun. His mom was stressed a lot. One time I was putting Christmas lights in our first house. We had two skylights, and we're putting Christmas lights up. Carter's maybe, I don't know. Four, and he looks, he goes, hey, Dad, can I come up there? I'm like, yeah, but don't tell your mom. He said, okay. So he came up the ladder, and, and all of a sudden, Pebble comes running the house, and she is screaming, what are you doing? I'm like, how did she know? Carter is laying on the skylight, and he was knocking on it, like waving at his mom. I'm like, I just told you. So, so you can overdo it, right? I mean, you have a little bit of fear is good. But, but if we're honest, much of what we do as parenting is motivated by fear. And sometimes that's even true in the kingdom of God. It can cause us not to want to let go of those reins and hold those families and those kids tightly. And we can spend so much time protecting our kids from the world that we fail to prepare them to make a difference in this world. Psalms 127 and 4 says, As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Biblical parenting paints the picture as parents, as courageous warriors, getting ready to release their children into battle. Arrows were meant to fly. They cannot set safely in the quiver or rest on the bow forever. They must be released. Absolutely, it's risky. When a plane leaves the runway and forsakes the safety of the ground. But that's what planes are made for. That's right. Absolutely, it's risky when the ship leaves the safety of the harbor. But that's what ships were made for. Made for. 
And our kids are made and designed by God to go into this world and make a difference. It it was the custom of the day that people would bring babies to Jesus or kids to Jesus and ask for blessings or prayer. And, And a lot of the disciples were like, man, Jesus is too busy for this. He didn't have time to this. And they tried to send the parents away and send the kids away. And Jesus put a stop to it. And this is what he said in Matthew 19 and 14. Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And the powerful truth that I want to close with is Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. To the parents in the room today, I encourage you, you let these kids follow after the Lord. You don't hold them back and you don't stop them in Jesus' name. Now listen, that may mean that the plan that God has for them is not the plan that you have for them. But you let them follow after the Lord. That may mean that God's calling them to ministries or places that are unfamiliar. But you let them follow after the Lord. God may call them down different paths that you would never have chosen for them. But Jesus is saying, don't you stop them. Don't you let them be held back. God's going to put hopes and dreams in their mind that seem scary and that's going to keep you up at night. And you might worry about it, but you just let them follow after the Lord. You just have to be trusting in the Lord and to be fearless. That fear should not be the cornerstone of our families. Listen, I don't just huddle my family together in my little house worried about this big, bad, scary world. I don't just huddle my kids together and worried. No, what I say, you know what? We are filled with his spirit and we're going to go out in this world and we're going to make a difference. And you're going to win your friends and I'm going to win my coworkers, and she's going to win our neighbors. We don't shrink back in fear. God has equipped us through his word on how to live our lives. He wants us to parent and to raise our families without fear. I wonder if you would stand with me. I wonder if we can kind of cluster in family groups, and I don't want anybody praying by themselves, so if you're here by yourself, you, you connect with somebody else. But, but I, I want family groups to kind of cluster together. Whatever that looks like for you, kids, grandkids, just cluster together. We're going to pray that God blesses you and God helps you to raise fearless families. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, so we come against that, against our churches and against our families. Listen, I'm not just crossing my fingers and wish upon a star that my kids are going to make it, but I am saying, no, I am raising kids that are fearless and powerful and determined to make a difference. Perfect love cast out fear. So we're inviting God into our families right now, whatever that looks like. I'm spirit-led in singing. I believe in spirit-led preaching, but I also believe in spirit-led families and spirit-led parents and in spirit-led homes. So right now, as you're clustered together with your family, whatever that looks like, and maybe some of them aren't here, but begin to pray right now in the name of Jesus. This is the most important circle in my life. Uh, This is the most important ministry in my life. Uh, Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for moms and dads and grandparents uh, and sons and daughters. I pray right now in Jesus' name uh, for homes and marriages and families today. Uh, God, I pray a hand of protection upon that home. God, I pray pray that that lamb, the blood of the lamb, be applied to the doorpost 
Ghost, in the name of Jesus. God, right now, let my home be a home of peace. Let my home be a home of, of love and mercy and grace. Oh, in Jesus' name, right now, God, I pray for these young people. I pray for these children. God, we're not just hanging on by a thread. But God, these are mighty warriors for you. These are mighty spirit-filled saints of God going forward. In the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it right now. Oh, hallelujah. I pray for marriages right now, God, that you would protect them and restore them in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those kids that are on the fence. I'm praying for those kids that are leaning the wrong way right now in the name of Jesus. God, talk to them and minister to them. Oh, I pray for the minds of every young person, every child in this place. I pray for their hearts, God, that you would guard them. Oh, I pray for peace. Let peace be in our homes and our families in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it. Let that spirit rest upon your family. Let that spirit move in your family, God, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I repent today. If there's some things, Lord, that I've been struggling with, things I haven't done very well, God, I repent to you and to my family. Let us be strong in the faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh,